5AA Nights with Matthew Pantelis. The uh, SA Council of Social Services has put out its report card for uh, this coming election where they've asked the, uh, the, the parties about their policies regarding a range of issues. And I'll give you the scores. Almost level pegging. The Liberals have scored uh, 1.5 out of 5 and Labor 1.7 out of five. So, uh, you know, n- nothing really separating them. It's not like one's on one and the other's on three or four. Uh, let's chat about that. Ross Womersley is CEO of uh, SACOS. Hello, Ross. G'day, Matthew. So, uh, your report card, what did you ask them about? Look, we, we actually asked them about, well, there were 43 policies that we we took to them um, and they were categorised into six different categories, um, and we asked them to respond to both our our requests. And they, the six categories that we had were rental affordability or addressing the rental affordability crisis, um, improving and investing in digital inclusion, um, fixing our concession system improving our public and preventative health, um, making sure that everybody in the state had access to water, and then we had a series of protection and support measures, including including a request in there that um, there be uh, an investment in a portable long-service leave scheme for the community sector workforce. So uh, a real mixture of things, and I suppose what we found as we did the analysis was that um, each of the parties had their own take on which which policies they were particularly um, doing better in, and um, but the the one that is I think most on our minds at the moment is the other issues around the rental affordability uh, situation in South Australia, which which I think is just extraordinary. We continue to hear day after day of people who simply can't find themselves a house to live in uh, that is affordable and that is safe and secure and and better still, uh, that's energy efficient. Hmm. This this has been a problem for some time, obviously, with rental affordability. It's not just linked to COVID, but it's certainly become, if anything, worse over the last two years while COVID has been around. Do you, do you expect it to improve as we, I, I assume we're coming out of this, everyone says we are, it doesn't really feel like it yet, but, you know, maybe maybe this year is, by the end of it, uh, we'll be in a better position. Do you think that will improve? No, not really. I think our analysis suggests that you know, the issue here is that we've actually changed. There's a market failure. And the the issue is back in, in 2000, the year 2000, the public housing system constituted about 10% of the housing market. But today, it's been eroded so much and there's so many thousands of properties that have actually disappeared out of the public housing system that in fact it's down to less than 7%, 6.7% of the housing market constitutes public housing. And of course, when Playford designed the original housing trust, he was thinking about housing for people on low incomes, working um, families, 
but also, you know, attending to the interests of the community more broadly. And he understood that if there was a, a large segment of government-owned public housing that would be available, that would actually keep rent prices in the rest of the market down. Mm. And at this point in time, we don't, we're, we're losing, we have been losing all of that housing. And as a result, I think the pressure gets increasingly bigger and bigger on the general private rental market. The issue has always been creating new public or more public housing, has it not? And uh, uh, if if governments invested in this more, we, we've had sell-offs in the last few years, um, well, not just over the last four, over the last probably 15, 20 years, we've had uh, uh, housing trust stocks sold off. Uh, and that's created, I suppose, and uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but that seems to have really helped this problem uh, blow out. So uh, creating new public housing seems to me to be critical. Uh, either party promising to do that? Well, the, the good thing that we have to acknowledge that the Liberal Party has done in government is that it's actually stopped the you know, constant removal of public housing. So it's actually maintained or created some stability in the public housing stock. Um, but they don't have a plan to build any more public housing per se, as far as we understand it. Um, on the other hand, the Labor Party has actually come to the election with a plan to build some extra housing. So they've got They've talked about building 400 houses over four years, which is 100 houses a year. Now, that's a that's a really good deposit, but it, it goes nowhere near addressing the thousands of people who are currently searching for a place that's affordable, let alone a place that actually operates with energy efficiency. Right, so, so we're no better off long term. Well, we're marginally better off. I guess we, we, you know, we certainly want to credit the the Labor Party if they if they do form government. We would want to see them um, certainly pursue that kind of new build. But we actually think that the new build needs to be about ten times that amount mm-hmm. in order to really bring us back into some sort of order, and that that will take a courageous investment if the Labor Party is actually elected to government. Right. All right. So um, as far as trying to work out from your election report card, if people are saying, well, I might use this as the basis to cast my vote, uh, really it's, as I've said earlier, Tweedledum, Tweedledee, essentially. Yeah. There are, I mean, interestingly, when you look at the things, the, one of the one of the two of the areas that the Liberal Party has appears to have better policy arrangements, include digital inclusion and in the water space. They've actually um, committed to undertaking a major order of how water is supplied, particularly to some of our remote communities. And I don't know, I mean, many of you, the listener probably won't um, really appreciate that there are people in South Australia that don't have access to reliable, affordable, clean drinking water. Um, now, you know, we live in a in a nation that's incredibly wealthy relative to the rest of the world, and we might expect that in a third world country, but we don't expect that in our own backyard. And so mm-hmm. we said to uh, both parties in the lead-up to the election, we want that addressed. Now, the, the, 
Liberal Party has been begun and committed to work in that space, so we welcome that. The other space that they've actually done pretty well is around digital inclusion. Now, you know, we know that through the COVID pandemic, we've seen major issues about our the need to be able to access digital um, technology in order to interact with the world and interact with our families, let alone to, you know, interact with our banks and our and if you're working, you know, you're trying to access the NDIS or you're trying to access yeah. the MyAge Care system or indeed the Centrelink system. All of those operate largely on internet-based platforms these days. So if you don't have either access to affordable data or you don't have the right equipment to make it possible for you to access or you don't have a connection, then in fact mm. you're not going to be included. And the risk that SACOS has identified repeatedly over the last few years is we've got a growing number of people that are experiencing inequality as a result of that. And so we've said to the government, we need something done about that. Now, the Liberal Party has brought um, policies to the election that actually will continue work in that space, and we welcome that. Uh, the Labor Party has been silent on, or more silent on that area, um, so they haven't really brought something in that space. On the other hand, if we look at things like... Um, public and preventative health. And this is another area that has been really important in the COVID uh, experience. We've seen um, Professor Nicholas Spurrier as the public health officer taking an enormous role in helping protect the population by adopting a whole lot of public health measures. Now, we know that at the moment we have a major issue with ramping around our hospital and our health yeah. system. The only way that we fix that is if, in fact, we can ensure that we stop people having to go to hospital. And the best way that we can do that is by investing in prevention and public health. And so um, we think that the Labor Party has some very particular policies. The, the Liberal Party has to be credited with the work that it's done in government. But, in fact, the Labor Party has brought some specific policies that will work to make sure that we actually have a better investment in public and preventative health. Yeah, all right. Ross, really appreciate your time explaining that tonight, the election uh, report card that SACOS put out every uh, state election. Thank you so much. You're most welcome. And, Matthew, just to... I suppose we should note, it, it would be wrong to not note that in fact, we did talk to all of the parties, and the reason that we focus very much on the Liberal Party and the Labor Party is that they are the party that are like they're the parties that are likely to form government. Now, in practice, looking across our policy suite, the Greens are clearly the the party that has most um, policies that are in alignment with our policy suite. Um, so, you know, it's important to recognise that that they are in the upper house. And in that context, they don't have the opportunity of leading the leading the government legislative agenda. Mm. All right. Good on you, Ross. Thank you. You're welcome, Matthew. Thank you. Ross Womersley there, CEO of uh, SACOS. And on the issue of uh, public housing, Lucas texted. He says, Matthew, I live in public housing and the other end of my street has been sold off and uh, or they've been left empty. 
for years. Yeah, that happens a lot, doesn't it? Where you see, and because they're empty, then they get vandalised, windows smashed, graffiti destroyed, essentially. Uh, so the place has to be demolished ultimately, and, and maybe that's always the plan from day one. But why they leave them empty for so long? It's beyond me, and just sits there doing nothing. What is the point of that? Five AA nights with Matthew Pantelis.